Hello again, and welcome to Killing the Great White Male. I'm Royce Tevis Towns, and I'm, today we have more of our shared experience with Lauren Carlson. A reminder that uh, there is massively triggery material throughout this conversation. We do address topics around sexual assault and rape. The last time, our last episode ended with some conversation around normative power uh, as it pertains to gender and orientation. Which, by the way, for many of us, that alone is triggery. So, yes, I, I am saying trigger warnings here and there because I know that there are some extremities here that we have to acknowledge. But please know that there's material in throughout the entirety of this podcast that some people will find triggering. So please know that that's okay, and it's okay to skip, and it's okay to, to, to message me and say, Royce, this was fucked up. Um, and thank you for, for tuning in. Let's dive in. And it's... It, oh, God, there's so much here. Um, so first off, it... Uh, I, I feel like it needs to be acknowledged also that this happens very young. I I experienced it in in younger younger times, but today it's in many ways it's worse. So when I was growing up, for example, um, when I came home, unless I called one of my friends on the phone, they were not in my home space. And so even though we were very busy, we had church choirs that we were a part of, and, and uh, I think I did soccer in sixth grade, like, you know, some things like that. Um, my home space was my space. But today, that's not the case, because right. our entire world is online, even more so in COVID. But, you know, right. and, and I, I play, I'm a gamer. Like, I, I play Xbox, I play League of Legends, I play World of Warcraft, Um I, you know, have a Steam account with too damn many hours put in it. Um, like, <laughs> but I, I often find myself having to turn off chat in these things, which is not something I would have known to do as a 10-year-old, by the way, um, because people use, the, for example, the term gay. And I, I got into the habit of just, you know, trying to ask curiously, you know, gay like happy and cheery or gay like you're a bigot. Because right. I, I just don't, I don't think people even realize what they're doing sometimes, but I don't really care. It's destructive and it needs to stop. Um, right. So choose, you know, are you saying gay, gay, like happy and cheery? Or are you saying gay? Cause you're a bigot, you know? Right. Um, so by the way, well, there's, there's two options. Yeah, which, I mean, would you, which would you like? Yeah. It's, it's not really helpful. Cause I, no. I'm pretty sure there's a, a bigger spectrum than that, but I also, it's better than the things I wanted to say. So, you know, right. was, <laughs> um, by the way, but, folks, for, if you're reading the book, we're on page 24 with this little discussion. Um, one of the things she says in there is, but they had as in, about the no homo thing. Um, uh, a lot of times we were saying things like, uh, they were saying things like, I miss you to a friend or we should hang out soon and just normal human expressions of joy or connection. But they had to add no homo to inoculate themselves against other guys lobbing insults at them to create a space where they could express those sentiments. So it became not just a homophobic joke but also a shield that allowed them to be fully human. Right. It's, uh, it's amazingly powerful, man. Boys who can't even, who are really how many years past kissing their mom on the, on the lips, you know, cause my kids yeah. are still yes. very affectionate with me and yep. you're allowed to, you know, my son 
will still go up to my husband and say, could we just cuddle? Now yes. my son's 10 and I have, I have loved, I would love to think that his um, emotional well-being was, was because I'm an amazing mother. I'm sure that that's why it is. <laughs> I'm sure that that's why he's so emotional and open, but, um, but in how many years will then he not even be able to say, I miss you to a friend without having to block it out with, but I'm not gay or, or yeah, something no like that. How many years do I have left with my son where he don't think, where he doesn't think emotions are gay? So I don't know. I, I, I have so many intersections around that one. So first off, <laughs> um, so this is fun. Uh, this conversation with you, Laura, is fun because you know, my kids are 22 and, and 20 now. Um, and I, I'm remembering as you talk about 10-year-olds, like what it, what it was like. Just for the record, our 22-year-old who's living at home right now during COVID also, um, I, I think it's only happened once or twice in the last nine months. But if he catches uh, my spouse and I in bed, he will still sometimes come and lay down between us and just get cuddles. Um, That's so sweet. It is far more rare, but it continued into the teen years. Um, Mm -hmm. So it just so, you know, again, and and there's nothing wrong with that. It's consensual on on our part as parents because, you know, we open the door to, you know, we don't get to sleep in much anymore, which is the real problem, I think. But... (laughs) But it just that space of the child knows that they can come have a physical affection need met um, uh, appropriately is is so important. And like alongside that, oh man, this must have been, he was eight or nine. Um, it was around the time. Uh, so I often, even before I was the homemaker, um, I often walked kids to school and in my head, this happened after I had taken over homemaking duties, um, walked him to school, and I always tried to let him decide, let the kids decide whether they wanted a hug or a kiss. Um, not always. By that time, by the time this event happened, I had begun trying to trying to not have my needs met for affection <laughs> through that. Right. Because <laughs> right? Right. that's the real problem there. Um, uh, and so I was aware of this problem and so I was trying to work on it and you know just leave available so that if the kid wanted a hug or a kiss or whatever so he gives a big hug he goes for a smooch on the lips because that's what he wants and he goes off to school and he comes home at the end of the day as we're walking home and he says am I gay because I kiss you and it was definitely one of those moments when I was really glad that we were walking home and that my kid was by my side because the tears just come every time I think about this, that this is how we have distorted the identities of human beings right? to the fact that this was used as an insult at him, which it should never be used as an insult. And the fact that it was put on him because he still has affection, which the human animal requires to survive, even as adults. Right. Men who are friends should be able to kiss each other um, and not have it be seen as romantic in any way, shape, or form. Like, right. that should because not be fucking revolutionary. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> if it's, we were in France, it would be okay. <laughs> and 
and this is what I have always said to my husband and to parents who ask questions. If think of how we would react if our daughters did it. Yep. Now that's the reaction. And I think on both sides, because sometimes uh, people don't stick up for boys in a circumstance the same way yes. that they would if it's a girl. Now, if a, if a girl's being uh, harassed, um, they they tend to rush to her side. And I have said, if that's how you would react with our daughter, then that's the reaction you should have with our son. We should be not only protecting them, but also allowing things to happen, like hugging. If our daughters run to each other and hug yes. their friends, then our son should definitely be able to do that. So yes, if if it's okay for girls, it should be okay for boys. And for the variety of gender identities, sexualities that are all part of that milieu. Right. Like, oh, right, right. It, I, I, I can't even, like, so I was, of course, scared shitless after this event happened that my son had somehow, you know, uh, been marred beyond repair by this, you know, as, as we are as parents, <laughs> right? Um, right, exactly. And, like, it needs to be acknowledged that there were so many events after that where he was able to display affection with his friends. So, so yes, this, you know, technology is allowing these, the, this shit into our homes in ways it never has been before. And the challenge for us as parents is we, that means we have to be radically present to and for our kids in ways that we never have been before. Um, so it might be a 1950s fairy tale that, you know, we spend time with our kids every day, but it's even more important now um, because our homes are full of this stuff in ways that, that um, they weren't in 1950. Um, right. And so, it, it, I, it, yeah, it, there were these wonderfully weird moments in this book um, that actually talk about, <laughs> so page 11, actually. Yet when I asked them to describe the ideal guy, those same boys who were coming of age in the 2000s appeared to be channeling 1955. And she had just been talking about how much more variety there was available for for girls, how much more variety girls felt like they had um, growing up. Although, and to your point about we we protect boys and girls differently, you know, folks who identify as boys and girls or who we have decided are boys and girls more appropriately. Right. the, when she did her study with girls, uh, it was a study of folks from ages 18 to 22 because she could not get permission from enough people, enough of, of a viable group to be able to talk to girls about sex before the age of 18. Right. Well, like, why would they be having it? There you go. <laughs> you know, yep. why, why would they? Because yep. we teach our boys, here's, here you definitely. Conquest. Uh, here, you want this. Yeah. You will want this. Girls they want this you should not give it to them i i can't uh i i was raised i i was raised catholic we we go to a catholic church our our children are catholic what you know we we are very um right i'm not gonna i'm not going to talk about sex with my children in a different way with boys and girls it's just not i do not subscribe to that i don't i don't uh appreciate that i think that sex is healthy and and if if girls if we're teaching girls they don't want it, I I find that especially in in a time where where men think they should just go out and get something. If girls are taught they should say no even when they want yes, you're opening yourself up to a million problems there. Yeah, 
turns out that mixed signals thing that boys always cop out with <laughs> is a literal <laughs> thing that we have created. Right. Um, and it, well, and someone said to me recently, someone, uh, I actually don't know how to give mixed signals. It is just not in my DNA. <laughs> I, I don't that. know how. I, I don't know how to say that I like something when I don't. Yeah. Um, I have been accused um, of being very upfront. And um, my husband will say, you have to hide your face because if someone has an opinion and I don't like it, you can tell. <laughs> And that makes it very difficult sometimes. <laughs> well, but um, but actually, I find if you know, if I say I like something, you never have to question it there because it is. you know that yes. I'm never saying it. So as a teenager, um, I have actually just come across some people I went to high school with and someone said, um, well, you know, you were chasing boys left and right. And and I said to someone, um. Well, you mean because I told them that I liked them? (laughs) I know that that comes off as as a 16-year-old girl. If I say to someone, well, I like you, that is too much because girls are not supposed to do that. Girls are supposed to play coy, and I actually don't have that ability, I'm sure. But I can assure you I didn't have sex until I was married, but uh, yet I still came off as well, you were doing this and this, and I, I really wasn't. I think I was just having conversations, and I was open about my feelings. But for a 16-year-old girl, that does not come across. That looks like yeah. other parents are looking and saying, what is she doing over there? She's very forward. You mean because because I said what I was thinking? Man, that's terrible. So, I, <laughs> so oh, God. So, I, I, these stories are just like... <laughs> it, it's so, so I had a conversation with a, a high school friend. Um, I guess this was last, I, I think it was last year before lockdown happened. Um, and it was somebody that um, I'd actually had what I would describe as a sexual encounter with in high school. She was a dear friend. Um, and she, and I, I feel like it's one of those sexual encounters that was problematic from my standpoint. Um, and it, for me as part of a, like, honestly, a, a long, long I, I'm not sure. Hey, oh, <laughs> I, I have to just say this. I'm not sure I had what I would know now as consensual sex prior to maybe five years ago. Wow. Um, and it, it's not in the sense that I was running around raping people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying right. what I understand now to be consensual sex where my partner is comfortable initiating where my partner, where, where I can trust when she says, or he says, yes, I desire this. Like you said, being able to trust what somebody says is part of the problem, but right. I've always been a persistent little fucker too. And so <laughs> that was, and so this friend anyway was, um, we were very close. I think at some points there were rumors, at least in my memory of high school is, you know, whatever the, for whatever the fuck that's worth. My memory of high school is that there were times when she may have had a crush on me. There were also times when I had a crush on her. Um, but she, she said, yeah, you were a horny little bugger. Um, and I was at, and I just sat there cause I desperately wanted to talk about this with her. Um, and, and, and I, I think I actually did muster the courage to say, was it consensual? Um, 
how how dangerous we, or how scary was that to say that? Oh, it was I terrifying. Mean, yeah, because you have no idea. Yeah, and and the, the, to this point that I don't even know if I actually said it. Okay. Okay. Like. Yeah. Like that's how mixed up my head is around this stuff, um, and it's 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 an awful feeling. I must be. I I don't. Well, no, I do know what the other side of it feels like, because um, there right. was definitely a time in college when I didn't really want to have a sexual encounter with somebody, but they really wanted something from me and and then it was like oh but they but it wasn't intercourse that they wanted and by the time we got to the point where I was into it I was ready for intercourse and and right. they weren't necessarily and, <laughs> but both of these encounters ended up um being for me ejaculation that wasn't uh genital intercourse I guess I would say no it wasn't penetrative um but it, it was also this just crazy milieu for me. Both of these I look at as places where I, I don't think it was consensual. I don't think it was mutual. And and I think that that notion – and then when I look at my early um, sexual experiences – well, what I now look at as sexual experiences, but at the time I thought we were playing doctor, right? No, yeah. Right. right. And yet when I played doctor with girls, they were all younger. Mm-hmm. And when I played doctor with boys – they were always my age. And when I realized that last year in therapy, my brain just freaked out. Like I have been conditioned that long that when it comes to sexual things, there must be a power imbalance mm. with women. And that just, it tore my soul out because that's horrible. Like how the, well, it's no wonder I couldn't trust my partners because they weren't my equals. Right. 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 And it's not that age matters that much, but when you're a kid, you know, a year oh, is a does. developmental gap. when you're right. You know, right. So, so yeah. And that only carried over into adult relationships. Um, when I look at my first spouse and the problematic sexual behaviors that we had there, um, my previous adult relationships, I look at the whole thing and I'm like, oh my God. Was there ever a time when I had consensual sex with people that I deeply cared about? Um, right. It's no wonder I could never trust the yes, because I, I would persist until I heard it. Right. It's horrible. Uh, something along the same lines, and, and like I said in my books, I usually speak about stories that are not about sex, but still are very much about sex. Yes. Um, so as far as it goes with me having... Um, being able to say what I mean, I, I am one of those people who uh, I don't enjoy getting gifts. I mm. just don't enjoy it. I don't like them. Uh, I am. I know that other people like them, so they like to give them. So, <laughs> so in the same way that a child hugs grandma, not because he wants to, but because grandma wants to. See, I receive gifts. Because I know that that person needs to give it to me. Yeah. And then I will say, but I really don't enjoy gifts. I don't yeah. like them. So I have said, I've, I've been married for 14 years now. And it took him probably about five years. Well, we've been, well, we've been dating since 2002. So forever now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and it took him years and years to believe me when I said, I don't want anything oh, for wow. my birthday. And see, I wasn't being 
sweet or just, oh, but I really want you to surprise me. He was so scared that yeah. I said, I don't want anything. And then I'd say, I can't believe you didn't get me anything. Yes. Oh, and God. then I think he was, and then I think he was even more scared that I wouldn't say that I can't believe you didn't get me anything. And that then it would just be resentment. Good and God. It, <laughs> yes. Can you imagine? So, so like in another scenario, in another world, I say, I don't want something for my birthday. And then he doesn't get it. And then I'm mad, but I don't want to tell him I'm mad because he should have known. Yes. And, and I, and my husband, it's not like he was married to someone who did this. This is just, I, I met him when he was 21. He was pretty much pure from all of those uh, you know, things that a bad relationship can put in your mind. Hmm. And yet this is still who he was. And now for Christmas, I don't want anything because really I, I, my, my fun, that's what I have to tell my children. My love language is spending time with you. So could we just watch football together? Because that is yeah. my Christmas, you know, that's for me. So in the same way, men do not know how to take yes and no for an answer because women are told you should no, you can't go home with a guy after one night because you're not supposed to want to. And so that... then men continue to ask. And so then oh, we man. say, well, then, but then he bullied me into saying yes, yes, yes but that's, be but that's, and, and that's true. I'm not saying that that's not true, yep. but that's because last week he did it. And the girl really wanted him to do, to ask three times. So then she could feel good about herself that she wasn't a slut, but yes. she, but she was very much desired. And that is what I find is, is so wrong on both sides. And it's not a, it's not a male problem. It's not a female problem. And it's not, it is people not being able to just be okay with saying, no, I don't feel like that. Yeah. And uh, something that my my in-laws do, uh, and I have, <laughs> if you go to their house, they're going to ask you if you want something to drink, and and you say no because you don't, and um, and they'll say, do you want you don't want any tea? I can make some tea, and then they'll be like, <laughs> I could make a new pot of coffee, but they have to ask you three times, and so yes. we joke about this that I have to say no three times before they really believe me that I'm not thirsty, yeah. and that is. And you know what? It's incredibly polite. I, I, I have nothing wrong to say about it, except that what our society has done to make them believe that if I were thirsty, I'd say no. Yes. What is that? that so it is not it's yes. not my problem. It's not my problem with my in-laws. It's not my problem with with me or or it is what our world has done. And, and I can bring it back to sex. What our our, our world has done to boys who believe, well, she said no, but was that a no? Or was that a, she just wants me to ask some more. Yeah. Like how, it, there's no good outcome from this scenario. There is no right. good outcome. I, my right. senior year, the uh, fall semester of my senior year in high school, I dated a different girl every weekend because none would go out with me twice. <laughs> And it wasn't because I was, I mean, I was, as my friend put it, a horn dog. I, I was, sure, exactly. you know, I was very interested in sex. I, I had, uh, had sex for the first time, like, I think two years before that. And that only heightened things for me. Sure. Um, 
but it was what I heard, what people were saying at least, was they didn't, they weren't looking for the type of commitment that I was because I was, I was purely convinced that if I didn't find the, you know, my spouse, my, uh, by my senior year of high school, I was never, I was unmarriable. I was never going to get right. married. Um, so, so again, there was that pressure from somewhere and, you know, some of it was from my parents who were high school sweethearts, but there, right. like how many movies did I see growing up in the eighties where the high school sweethearts, right. you know, end up happily ever after. Um, right. like, and you can't date for a year to find that out. You have to know it on the first date oh, from yeah. movies, right? Yes. Like yes. you, you love can't... at first sight. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Good God. America, get your fucking culture out of it. <laughs> well, my parents, my parents started dating at 15. And oh they're, and they're, yes. And, and they're still together. Um, oh, they are. And I mean, my, I joke that my mom, they went to their 40th high school reunion. And um, this was a couple of years ago. And uh, I joke that my mom, she's so lame. She took the same date. Like, <laughs> she said, she said something about it, it was just like prom night. Cause my mom comes oh. from a big family. And so her, um, her sister is actually in my dad's class. So, so her sister and her sister's husband, so her brother-in-law and, and my dad and my mom. So it's the four of them and they all went to high school together, but my mom's two years younger. So she went there also, but it was their high school reunion. And she said, how lame are we that me, that your dad and my sister both took the same dates that they took to prom to, to this 40th reunion. I said, yeah, you know, you, she said some people there aren't even the same gender they were, you know, like some yes. people are so, so out there. And my mom's like, and I showed up with the same stupid date. No, of course she loves, <laughs> no, she, <laughs> they're perfect. And they've been together for I 45, 46, something. I, but yes, starting to date when you're 15 what that does when you're raising children and you think oh. hey but you know don't have a it, it was difficult because it was said to us you know you don't date someone that you don't think you're gonna marry which i i respect and i'm fine with that but at 15 i was i wasn't i mean i was because i was told to um you're looking for if that's not someone you're gonna marry why would you waste your time if it's not someone you're going to marry why would you even waste your time? This little bit of the conversation with Lauren was, for me, such a relief to know someone else had experienced this shit. Because it's, it's stuff I, I don't think I talk about a lot. But that normative power of this is what dating looks like. This is what relationships should look like. They, all of those shoulds. Um, it was so powerful for me growing up deeply appreciated this part of our conversation and i hope you did too thanks again for tuning in today we'll talk to you tomorrow <laughs>